Thanks for listening to Shift Your Spirits. I'm Slade Robertson. For 13 years, I've been a professional intuitive and personal development blogger. I try to talk about spirituality with fewer hearts and flowers than most New Age blather. I also mentor emerging intuitives in a program called Automatic Intuition. It is Saturday, March 2nd, 2019, as I record this introduction. This week, I have a conversation with Mickey Brittenham, who shares her personal near-death experience. You may know Mickey from the Shift Your Spirits community, where she's an administrator as well as the host of a weekly thread about crystals. She's one of our many resident rock chicks. One of the reasons I asked Mickey to be an administrator is because everyone in the automatic intuition community loves her. She's just a cool person on so many levels. She also happens to be the only person I know personally that I'm aware of who has had a near-death experience. So this is a very personal, vulnerable, fascinating story from one of our friends. This is also the winter season finale. If you listen in every week in real time, next week will be our hiatus week. But this is a nice, juicy, long episode if you want to save half for later. It's also episode 96. We're coming up on the 100th episode in about a month. Now, most podcasts make a big deal and try to do something special for their 100th. I feel a little pressure to make sure it's a good one. I'm still waiting to see what that might be. If you have any ideas for that upcoming special episode, by all means, let me know right away. These are recorded in advance. As always, there's an Oracle segment at the end of the show, so be thinking about a question or a concern you have. Hold it in your mind, and I'll come back on after the final links and credits and leave you with that extra channeled message. I'm not going to share any personal news this week since the episode is already an hour, all of it way too interesting, in my opinion, to cut or edit. But before I forget, I do want to say a quick thank you to my newest supporter on Patreon, Evie Dare, and to all of you who continue to pledge your support. It demonstrates that you're enjoying this show and you want it to continue. It's very encouraging to me, so thank you. To find out how you can become a patron, support my time in producing this show, and access all the extra bonus content, please go to patreon.com slash shiftyourspirits. Without further ado, here's Mickey's story. I was really sick. I was pregnant with my first child, and I got something called HELP syndrome, which is hemolysis elevated liver enzyme plate low platelet count. It's um, like the most rarest form of preeclampsia, I guess, something like that. And back then, you it's a death sentence, so you basically die. But nowadays, m- majority of people you know, they don't die now, they are because of medical, you know, advances. But um, back then, I don't know, I guess you just died from it. I'm not really sure that's what they told me anyway. So I was in the hospital, like in and out of the hospital. And the total amount was probably about a good four to five months, because I kept going in and out and in and out. And then they just kept me in. And they said that I needed to at least make the 32-week mark. So on the day that I made the 33-week mark, uh, they induced me. And that was that was the first mistake because my health had just started going down, you know, rapidly. But um, 
my body was failing at that point. My blood pressure was really high and my platelets were super low, which is why they didn't really want to do a cesarean because of the clotting factor, right? So they induced me. And at that point, they had said, I guess I was in labor for about 12 hours. And they said um, that my platelets had dropped to 80,000. And normal is about 150 to 450,000. So they told me that my blood pressure was so high that I was going to have a heart attack or a stroke. And they came in, and I remember this, they brought me some papers, and they basically said, here, sign these papers, because we need to keep the baby alive, but you're going to die. So <laughs> kind of, I, oh that God. was pretty much what they said. Yeah, it was so weird. They're like, all right, well, you're dying, and we need to get this baby out. My liver shut down. Um, the whole birth took four minutes, but my liver shut down, and my heart stopped. So it was nine o'clock when they wheeled me in there and her birth certificate says 904. Like I don't even understand, but it was so fast. And um, as soon as they started to put me under, I left my body and I was watching from above. But I didn't really care about me. I mean, I was, they were saying, I could hear them. They were saying, her, her heart stopped, her heart stopped, get the baby out. And um, all I cared about was just making sure that baby was okay. You know, I had no, I mean, it was weird because it wasn't like an emotional attachment to the baby. I just wanted to make sure that the baby was gonna be all right. It was like, is this baby gonna be fine? But I didn't care anything about my body at all. Like, I was watching it, and I had zero emotion to it at all. And as soon as I saw the baby was coming out and that she was fine, I just floated up out of the ceiling. And um, my mom was super stressed out, and she was on the roof. Like, you know, they have those patio, I don't know if it's really the roof, but those outdoor patio smoking areas, right, they used to in hospitals. Um, she was out there smoking, and I could see her, and I felt the same about her. I was like, oh, there's my mom, but there was zero emotion involved. And then I just kind of floated up, and I did not see a tunnel or anything. It was like I was had seen my mom, and I started to float up, and then all of a sudden I was there wherever, you know, whatever the there is, really. But um, there were two or there were three people there. I don't, I mean, they weren't really people, but that's the best way for me to describe them, beings, you know, of light. So um, the first thing that you, that I noticed when I was there was like um, everything was so much brighter and it was almost like when you're looking at the sun, how bright that is, but it didn't affect your eyes in any way. Like it was so soft and calm and just everything was bright. And you know when the sun is starting to set and the sky sort of looks like a Maxfield Parish painting? Yes. Okay. 
that's how it looked. Like that's the only, that's the closest way that I can describe it. Um, and it just, it was so beautiful. And these beans were there and there's this feeling, you know, um, when you are, you know, like you've been gone really a long time or whatever, and then you're getting off of a plane and you see people you love. And it's just so, like you just want to run to them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that. This most intense love of everyone you love, your family, your lover, your kids, your parents, your animals, all combined. Like, if you could combine all of that love into one feeling, that's how it feels. Um, and I felt that about these beings. Um, they, they had, I mean, I'll describe them. It, they had features, but they didn't have any features. And I know that it's like a contradiction and it doesn't make any sense, but I, I don't know if I perceived them as having this or, you know, if that's what they really had, because it's almost like they're just a light, but within the light, I could pick out these features almost. So there was an older man um, who had long hair that was very pale and really blue, blue eyes. And he was wearing some kind of, it seemed like it was a robe or a cloak with a, maybe like a cloak, but there was some kind of sleeves because he had, I could, I remember cuffs, you know, um, they were all, all three of these beings were wearing the same kind of cloaks. It was sort of like they were almost white or very pale and, and kind of shimmery, almost like there were jewels, but there weren't jewels. You know, I want to say it's like there was gold thread through this white, but there was no gold thread. It was just very shimmery. All of it was shimmery, like their hair and their eyes. And um, then there was a younger man who had lighter, not really brown hair, but like a light, kind of like a dirty blonde, a darker, not so pale as the first man. And he was a lot younger and he had like a purplish blue eyes. And then there was a woman who had really long, like super long pale hair, very, very pale, maybe pale blonde. And she had those purpley eyes too. That is the one with the bluish skin. Like, I don't, her skin kind of had this blue tint. I don't really recall if the other ones had a blue tint, but they, they might have. Um, but there was just so much emotion involved in, in seeing these people. Like we were hugging without hugging, um, like a virtual hug or something. I don't know. Uh, there was a river 
I could see out in the distance, like in with that pretty Maxfield Parish sky, there was a river and the water was so crystal blue. Have you ever been to Zion National Park? No. Okay. We went a couple years ago and I've never seen water that color except for at Zion National Park. It was almost like that. It like this teal color, like maybe green, almost like this bright, bright turquoisey, you know, the the water in Hawaii has that in some areas, but it almost is like there's too much pigment in the water in Hawaii. Whereas in Zion, it seemed more like a very sheer water. So it, when I saw that water, I was like, that's the kind of water that that river was, you know, it was so strange, but, um, there was some kind of field, but it, I don't, I don't recall there being a color to the field. Like it was just a landscape, you know, it kind of all blended into that sky, but it was a field. And then there was a river and I was at a, like I was over here in one spot and the river was over there and I could see it, but there was almost like this invisible uh, in barrier or like this secret fence that I couldn't see. Like, no, you do not pass. You know, (laughs) I'm on this side with these people and there's all that beautiful stuff over there. And I'm like, I just want to go over there. But you know, I, that wasn't what was going on. I wasn't, you know, I, I, I joke and say I wasn't allowed in heaven because there you know, is that barrier, but it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't like I wasn't allowed there. We were just doing something over here. Um, there was some kind of weird building that we were by some weird building. Like I keep remembering a building, but it wasn't a building. It had really strange angles and it had that iridescence like their robes. So it could have been something I perceived there that you know what I mean? Like they were just beings of light. Like, I don't know if that building was a perception, like I'm perceiving there's a building here or there really was a building there. But, um, looking down on myself, I had no body, you know, like if you're looking at yourself now and you would look down, you would have a body, but I had nothing. So there were no parts of me that I could see. It was just, I'm just seeing everything from my eyes uh, nothing was spoken between us. It was all like telepathy. So I knew everything that they were saying. I knew everything that they were thinking. And, um, you know, it was just this deep connection. And then I went into the life review. So the best way that I can describe it was, Like, you know, when you see those maybe on TV or in movies and they have these huge monitors that have a whole bunch of different little squares and everything is moving like these TV monitors with people on it or something from all across the world. And they're showing each one has different stuff in in the little cubes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It was sort of like that, but it was... So it was like there was lots of different visions going on of my life, and it felt like it almost 
kind of wrapped around my head, but I mean, I don't think I had a head. So it just sort of, it, I want to say it was like a 360 degree Mm -hmm. vision almost. And every block had a moment of my life that I was able to look at and feel and understand everything that was going on in all of these different moments of my life all at the same time. And, but it's not just feeling it from your perception, you, whatever interaction that you have with every person, you feel it from their point of view and your point of view at the same time. So every single interaction that you ever have, you experience how the other person perceived you, what they picked up from you. And sometimes it was really painful. Um, you know, I mean, if sometimes you're an asshole, you know what I mean? And you say things that aren't nice. And then you kind of really see like how how you impacted this other person. So you really explore every area of your life and it's almost like it's instantaneous and you're just, it's like this, you're just learning and learning and you kind of get to see how you behaved and what, where you went wrong maybe and where you went right or where other people damaged you in certain moments and how you perceived what they were trying to say, you know what I mean? Versus what they were really trying to say. Um, it was, it was pretty intense. And after that, um, you know, the, the thing, the thing about the life review is there is no, there's no judgment. Those beings, they didn't judge me at all. All they had for me was pure love. I was the only one who was judging me. So there's, there is no judgment. There is no being that's going to come and no God is going to judge you for your wrongs um, and things that you did wrong to other people. The only person that's going to judge you is yourself. You are your judge. And sometimes that's, you know, I mean, I think that's even more painful to see your own shortcomings, you know what I mean, so vividly and and understand them. Um, you know, and seeing where I went wrong, it was almost like, not wrong, but where I could have been better or done things different. It was almost like some moments were like a sad revelation, you know, where it's just so impactful. Um, Then after that, then the beans showed me this, it's a domed chest. It's, it's, I don't know, it's really strange. It, kind of has a dome top and there were straps across it and it was really iridescent kind of goldish colored and they lifted up the chest and when I looked inside the chest 
I, at that was the moment that I had complete clarity of every, like every question ever asked. I knew all the answers to everything. And I was like, oh, yes, I know this stuff. You know, I know all of this stuff. That's right. Like it was almost like I remembered that I've always known this stuff, you know? Um, and I, I think I've watched my future. The looking in the chest is where I really have thought about a lot of it over the years, trying to figure out what exactly was in that chest because there are, you know, it's like I remember what was in the chest, but I don't have a clear vision of it. And I can't really put it into any words. The only thing that I remember when I looked in that is going, oh, you know, but whatever they showed me in that chest was the reason I chose to come back. So at that moment, so it must have been a future like, you know, this is behind the box kind of if you choose curtain number two, you know what I mean? So um, it was at that point that they asked me, you know, what it, are you, are you staying or are you going? So it was like, I mean, they didn't ask me, it was, you know, this mind to mind connection. I, I knew they were giving me a choice. And at that point, it was my, my turn to do something about my situation. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going back. And then my uncle was there, which was really strange. My uncle uh, had a uh, he died of congestive heart failure from a drug overdose when he was 33 and I'm named after him. And, um, I mean, he died when I was 19, but I'm still named after him. Uh, he, the only word that I recall being spoken, like a spoken word through this whole thing was what my uncle said. And, um, he he was a big wave surfer and the word that he used to use to describe like the perfect wave was perps and he when i said okay i'm coming back he threw the shaka and said perps and what was really interesting is that he was perfectly clear i mean he was like these other people but he, like, I really remember his feature so well. I mean, maybe because I know him, you know, but, um, I mean, I knew them too, but, you know, I'm very familiar with him and, but he only had an upper body. He didn't have any legs. And I, I've always, I don't know, pondered that. It's kind of strange. I mean, I didn't have legs either, so I guess it would make sense that he didn't. Um, yeah, so then it was at that moment that I decided to come back and um, I woke up in the ICU. And I, the first thing I did was I stuck out my finger like ET and said, how big? 
because I wanted to know how big the baby was. She was, because they had said that, you know, she wasn't growing. She was coming, she was about two pounds, but she was three pounds. So she was, and she was perfectly fine. She was doing great. Um, I stayed in the ICU for about two weeks and I had a 24 hour nurse in there (laughs) that didn't work at the hospital that no one else saw, but this, so he was like your stranger angels, right? He was in there, he was wearing scrubs and he would sit by my bed. His name was Scott and he would sit by my bed every day. And anytime I would wake up, I I kept waking up and I would have these nightmares of, of this death scene and I would panic and I would wake up and I'd be like, where am I? What's going on? And he would hold my hand and he'd say, it's okay. You had a baby. The baby is fine. You're going to be fine. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'd kind of fall asleep. But I remember asking the nurse, you know, that would they when the nurses would come in, where's Scott? And they're like, what are you talking about? There's no one here named Scott. And I'm like, yes, he's been sitting with me every single day. He's wearing blue scrubs, you know, and they all wear maroon scrubs and no one's in blue scrubs, but he, he was in blue scrubs. So that was kind of interesting. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've written down some questions while you were talking. Um, and uh, just a couple things that it's like a lightning round <laughs> of, okay. of details. Um, so before you had this experience, had you ever had an out-of-body experience or ever done any kind of astral projection or tried to do anything like that before? Um, yeah. When, when I was about 13, 14, I went through this extreme astral projection phase where I I went to bed at like seven o'clock every night and shut my door because I was just going in there to meditate because I'm going to leave my body. You know, it was like this determination. And so I would just, you know, I rearranged my room. So my bed was in the direction it needed to be. And, you know, everything was perfect. Uh, Most of the time I think I fell asleep, but there was one time where I did leave my body and I remember seeing my my body laying there and and that just that seeing that was so I don't know it freaked me out that I I just it was almost like yeah pop back in there was this weird you know instance um that that was the only time before this but now it seems like I mean I I can't do that spontaneously at all but whenever I have some kind of anesthesia, mm-hmm. I always, I see the situation from above. So I'm hovering above, but it's, it's in a different, it's very different than that experience. That experience, I had zero attachment to my body. When that happens to me now, I, I do have feelings and an attachment to my person, you know my body. So when you were in that 
place, which I love the Maxville Parish reference because I love golden hour, that time of day, that kind of kind yeah. of light. I love the um, you know late nineteenth century painters who were really into capturing that. You know, it's so. Um, and I think that being the age that we are, there was a there was a period in the eighties and nineties where that artwork was very popular on yes. posters and stuff. Uh-huh. Yep, yeah, yep. so my house. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I totally know where you're talking about. And um, so when you describe this kind of wall of love of like all these sort of entities clustered together, you do talk about your uncle kind of manifesting as a unique individual being. But other than the three entities who were, you know, guardian spirits or whatever, were there other like was there individual was like a crowd of people and you sort of could pass your eyes over it and see like oh there's this person this person or was it just more of a feeling um you know like were your grandparents there or no, your no, ancestors or anything no, particular like that nope the only the only people that i recall being there at all were these three beings and then my uncle randomly showed up when i like woohoo you're going to live <laughs> you know kind of a i don't know like my cheering section or something because of the choice i made almost so who do you who do you think the entities the um the blue skin lady and the and the sort of merlinesque character you know he shows up in a lot of guided meditations you and i know from you know intuitives who do these kind of akashic records um traveling and all this kind of stuff yeah that is a type of entity that that we do often see the those three that you described like who do you think they are now or did you did you come out of this experience thinking who the heck were they? Like, I want to know who they are. Or did you have a sense of, of who they were that stayed with you? Um, I think that the old, I've, I've contemplated this experience for 25 years now, you know, um, when, when at first I didn't really know who they were, you know, I was like, I don't know who they were, who they are, but, um, I knew that they were someone that was super close to me and, you know, that they love me and that they were there. So I just regarded them as, you know, people I knew, or, I mean, I don't know if they were people, but, you know, that's the best that I can, beings that I knew, maybe, you know, um, I belong with them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I belong. I mean, I'm here, but I when I'm not here, I will be with them because that's, I belong with them. Uh-huh. Um, I, I do have moments in time where the, the female comes and goes like she's almost like a, maybe one of my guides that sort of steps in every once in a while, you know, so maybe maybe they step in the other two step in every once in a while. And I'm just not really aware of it because I have such a strong connection to my main guide. Who's always, you know, I've always had a super strong connection to him. And, um, you know, he looks very similar actually to the, the younger man, 
but I don't think they're the same person. I, I don't feel like they are. Do you ever try to communicate with these people now? Um, these entities, these beings? With the, with the woman. Okay. Her name is Wistera. Hmm. But I, I have not, only because I've encountered her more times than the other two, that I've started kind of exploring that. But I don't feel like, um, I think if I were going to communicate with them at this point, that I would have, you know, that maybe they would have shown up in some form or fashion somewhere. So the, during the life review part that you talked about, um, and you talked about how you've got to experience it from the perspective of the other people involved, but also that you were judging the, you know, moments of your life and the interactions and stuff. Um, was, do, do you have a conscious recollection of how your understanding was different during this experience than it would have been during the moment that some of those events happened? Like, for instance, you know, you're recalling some memory or you're seeing some event from the past that you had, let's say, some kind of anger or resentment about, and then now you have this different perspective of it. Did you come away feeling like changed about your own real life experiences? Like I've got to rethink everything. Um, sort of to, you know, but the things, it wasn't the other people or how I perceived things that happened. It was more how I reacted to the things that happened and why was I reacting you know, why was I reacting in this way? Um, when I was a kid, I used to have this weird thing that would happen to me. And I would be, you know, hanging out with friends or family or whatever the situation was. And then I was almost like I was watching it from above the situation at the same time and having a different consciousness about it going, this is a very odd interaction. Why are humans behaving this way? And then I, in my own mind, I'd be like, why, what is that? You know? And so it was sort of like, like that kind of separate, like here's the human doing this and here's my consciousness going, why are humans behaving this way? Like, you know, why, what is making them react in this way. And it was it was a similar experience where this I'm, I'm experiencing my human thing, but it wasn't like a memory, it was like I was reliving every single thing. All, you know, in you know, like I'm having this conversation is real right now in this moment, every memory at that life review was going on at that moment there was no distinction of time like this. It was really happening, you know, and I was seeing how this interaction impacted my life and how I reacted to it and how my reaction to it impacted what came next and how I could have reacted differently and how that would have made a different thing happen next. You, you know, it was like, this such this broad view of 
of my action. Were you able to retain any of that sort of perspective? I almost, I was thinking as you were talking about it, it's like you had full awareness of your higher self as maybe separate from your sort of animal self or something. Um, Do you have, did you retain any of that perspective that you feel like you use now in some way? Yes, um, definitely I I think that I do. And I think that comes into my, I'm an overthinker, you know, because I really am very concerned about, okay, if I behave this way, how is that going to impact this situation? Um, like, what can I do to make it the best situation? Or what would be the best way for me to behave in this situation type of, you know, kind of overanalyzing. Um, but I definitely think that watching that has really changed my behavior because I used to, I had a kind of, you know, not the greatest upbringing. Parts of it were really good. Some weren't really great. And it kind of, I had a lot of anger when I was younger. And sometimes I could be a little volatile, you know, uh, it was almost like when I came back, I was a completely different person. Um, I mean, not completely, I still am the same person, but in a much softer sense, maybe much more uh, caring, not so self-centered, you know, much more concerned about how other people feel or, you know, let's try and figure out what the best thing for everyone involved is going to be. You know what I mean? So it's not just about me anymore. I, I, ever since then, I, I don't feel that like it's all about me or this one situation is me because it's not always, it's never just about me. It's always about everyone involved. Did you believe in the afterlife before this experience happened to you? Um, I didn't not believe in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if I had any real belief. I, you know, wasn't, I had hippie parents. I wasn't baptized. They were like, no, we, she, she should choose her own way in life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my parents were Catholic, like grew up Catholic. Uh, that's not, wasn't really their thing, although my mom and kind of went back to the church for a while. But uh, I'd gone to many different types of churches trying to, you know, like teen groups with friends or whatever, trying to kind of figure out what it is that I thought i I knew there was something. I don't think I ever thought there wasn't something, mm-hmm. but I didn't I didn't really know what it was, you know. So what is your kind of perspective on the afterlife now? Um well, I definitely think that you know, we we live. I have zero fear of death. It doesn't The only fear that I have about death is that 
I feel like, you know, like if I were to die today, I would be perfectly okay with dying. The only part of it that would be upsetting to me is there's cer certain things that I'm trying to achieve. You mm -hmm. know, I have these things laid out that I'm trying to do or trying to achieve, but I'm not concerned about, you know, like I'll catch up with all these other peeps later, you know, my family or whatever. I'm not concerned about them. Um, it, it's only about what it is that I'm like, wait, wait, I wasn't done doing what I was trying to do. You know what I mean? That kind of. Yeah. So you do feel a sense of peace about your consciousness continuing after this lifetime. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I definitely feel that, um, this is just, this is just a moment. This is just something that I'm experimenting with right now being a human you know i'm trying it out seeing seeing what's going on but uh i am certainly not this body at all i'm such a something much more grand than this body this body with this body there's limits you know it comes with limitation and so within this this body and this form i'm learning to work with those limitations, you know? Mm. Okay. So let's talk about the chest a little bit. Okay. Um, so like, do you, f cause you, you talked about like, there was just so much information there and a sense of like, Oh yeah. You know, like remembering all this stuff. And then as I imagine, when you came back, you don't really re necessarily remember individual truths from that viewing of the chest or do you are there sort of philosophical maybe insights that you retained from that glimpse into that chest that you can now like have conversations with people about you know what I mean yeah um oh you know definitely I I couldn't like sit down and be like this is what I remember from the chest there was this this, this, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It, it doesn't come to my memory in that kind of a way. But um, there are definitely things that I know. And it's just like, I, I didn't know these things before. And that's where I can make that distinction of this is things that I knew, you know, that the chest showed me. Um, because I don't didn't have those thoughts or, you know, I didn't know any of this beforehand. I just was sort of like, Oh, whatever, you know, here, here I am kind of thing. Right. I didn't really, I don't know, think about, I mean, I thought deeply about things, but they, when I thought deeply about things, I didn't have the same, you know, it's like I'm thinking less about it now because I know the answer almost. Well, so let me ask you th this way then, like when you hear someone talking about something like God or spirits or mediumship or, you know, um, just any kind of sort of spiritual or philosophical concept, as you're sort of observing those things or hearing questions presented about them, do you sort of have a part of yourself that's like, nah, that's bullshit, or, or like, yeah, actually, what he's saying reminds me of of something that came that that's a truth from that chest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, are you able to evaluate thoughts now in in reference to that? 
Um, yeah, I, I think that I am. And I, I definitely do look at a lot of things and go, okay, that's bullshit. Like one of the biggest things that I can say is bullshit is in, and which is very big in the spiritual community is we're here. This is an earth school. Okay. You know what? That's bullshit. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) This is not an earth school. What kind of, you know, what kind of asshole would be like, oh, let's send all these people here and let them learn something with no curriculum. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. That's, that's ridiculous. It, that's not, not at all the case. It is not a school. We aren't trying to learn. The only thing that we are trying to do is experience. Like I said, you, you're this huge, huge consciousness. I mean, I, I guess I'll call it a consciousness because I don't really have anything else to call it and if I call it that then kind of we all know what I'm talking about because if I say thing that's just like you know you're this huge thing right right so you're you're this I mean you're bigger than life you you are so big you are everything you have such limits in this body that you're in um you know, what the only thing that you're learning is you're learning to, if you're going to learn something, you're learning for how to work through these limits of this physical body, because it's an experience that you want to have. That's it. You are experiencing what it's like to be in this body. Like in the way that somebody might choose to like do ayahuasca or trip on mushrooms or go underwater with scuba gear. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. So that, that's the, that's what it is. It's not a school. You aren't, I mean, you learn things along the way. Don't get me wrong. You do learn things along the way. And that is, but it's not, it's not like you're here to learn. You're here to experience, and through your experience, you're going to learn because you learn through every experience. Right. And there's not like this predestination, like, I'm going to go have this sort of earthly experience so that I can learn what it's like to blah, blah, blah. Like, there's not that much planning. I, well, I think, I think there are themes. Okay. So it's not really like, you know, it's like if you were planning to, um, I don't know, make a convention, okay? There's a lot of planning that you have to put in it, and everyone's talking about like, whoa, this is how we want it to come out, you know? And there's this and this and this. It doesn't need to be, I mean, it's detailed, and you do have a planning committee, but you're you're more discussing themes mm-hmm. like you know, the vibe that you want it to have for the yes. attendees or what right. you want the kind of takeaway to be but the the nitty-gritty like how you get there is more randomized than that yeah yeah that's a lot more organic and because you can 
I mean, you choose one thing or you don't choose something. You know what I mean? And some people, I mean, probably like you and me, we have, we are, oh, I'm going to make this choice. And something in your head is like, no, don't do that. Right? Right. <laughs> Stay away from that person. Don't go there. You know, and you either choose to pay attention to it or you don't. Right? So, then, I mean, of course, if you don't pay attention to it, then everything goes to shit. And you're like, God damn, I should have listened to that, you know. Um, I had, I, you know, I, I had this experience yesterday, actually, when I was like pulling into the parking space, um, you know, down at the tea shop or something like that. And I looked around and in just like a flash, I saw all these like instances of you know, kind of like miserable shit. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Like, you know, someone who was really struggling to get across the crosswalk in, you know, um, a wheelchair in the rain. And then there was like an animal that was missing a leg. And like, I, I mean, I just sort of like turned off the keys and I looked around and there was just bam, 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 just all this awful stuff just all this hardship and difficulty just in a slice of a moment. And my thought, Mickey, in that moment was, who in the hell would make this up on purpose? Like, that's kind of like this weird, like, just question I had for the universe. So when you said that about this isn't an earth school, like, we're here to, you know, experience versus here to learn, like, that really spoke to me. Because I felt such an overwhelming sense of how cruel the world was. And not that there aren't all these things to be grateful for and all these other things that we can think are wonderful and make it worth it. But I'm just saying the idea that anyone would mastermind that kind of stuff. Like I'm okay with the fact if it's kind of like random and organic, if it's nature, but the idea that it would all be like pre-scripted like a video game feels kind of evil to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but in in choosing the themes, you know, like like you said someone in a wheelchair who can't walk, right? And they're they're mm-hmm. struggling through whatever until they come to terms with using that like the the limitations that their body has. So you you do choose those things, but they're themes, mm-hmm. you know. So you're it, it's almost like, um, I mean, it's it's not as random as all oh, right. I'm gonna woohoo! I'm gonna be a human. Okay, I'm gonna dig through this bag and randomly pick out five themes, and those are gonna be somehow manifested into my human life. Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, it it wouldn't be as random as that. Because you, I mean, this now this is going into past lives, which I don't think are past lives. But anyway, um, we'll just call it a past life right now. Um, so, you know, say you, if you randomly chose these five themes out of this magic trunk or whatever, right? The chest. Um, and then what if you'd already in a past life, you already had that theme or, you know, you would go, okay. And you're looking at your human life differently when you're here than when you're looking at it from there. Mm -hmm. It's like a completely different perspective. So 
you looking at whatever limitations have been put on your human existence in your human body, you don't feel the same way about those limitations when you are choosing those themes, mm. you know, um, what were you going to say about the past lives? You said, we'll call it a past lives, but you actually don't perceive it that way. I have an idea what you're going to say, but I want you to explain that really quick. Um, all, they aren't in the past. They're all right now. They're all going on in the same time. But, I mean, there is no concept of time, really. Time is a, is just a space in consciousness where you can experience something that that's time you know that's the best definition really of time um but so we're living all kinds of experiences in all, other all places kinds, all kinds and the themes are the same oh really yes so you you're working you know it okay so we we've kind of talked about this like um what is god right yeah or if there is a God. So um, in order to explain this, it's we'll have to talk about that for a second. So um, that was going to be my next question. Anyway, (laughs) the, the, the best way that I can put God, which I'm using air quotes um, and just saying God, because everyone knows the concept that we're talking about, uh, the best way to describe it would be like an octopus where here is the, this, the head is this, the main energy or consciousness, the, the main thing, all of the arms are, are all of the other, the, like the webs almost, or the, you know, it's the same thing. The arms are the same thing as the head of the octopus. So God is the head of the octopus and we're all the arms. So we're all experiencing the same thing. We're the same thing, but we're all experiencing it in different ways. So if, if you took all of the pieces, like let's just say, okay, for the sake of this conversation and understanding this concept, if you were God, right? I mean, you are, we're all one. So you're God, but there's a bunch of different facets to your personality. And each one of them likes different things, does different things, but all together that makes Slade, right? If you broke up every single thing about you and about your personality, you know, a uh, fantasy writer, teacher, podcaster, you know, tea lover, animal lover. Okay, all of these different aspects of you, right? You have so many. Um, each one of these, if you could make them into a completely different person and send them out into the world as that personality. And just to imagine how much faster you would experience everything there is to experience. Because you were spread out not instead of just one, right? We're the way by which the universe is aware of itself. Yes. Yeah. 
Well, and when you and I had this conversation about the octopus thing, I said, well, that's really cool because I always perceived it as kind of a fractal um, image, like a, you know, like a computer screensaver that's like a fractal. And there is something octopus-like about those tendrils or whatever, you know, and and the facets and all that, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I actually really get that really easily. Do you feel like that is something that was in the chest i do yeah for sure definitely so switching gears just a little bit what was it you think that motivated you most to go back um probably my kids right because i four years after i had my daughter and died uh I decided to do it again, but I knew I was like, everyone's like, Oh, you're going to have another kid. You know, like every, the doctors and and everybody kind of freaked out. And I was like, Nope, it's going to be perfectly fine. Everything will be fine. And everything was perfectly fine. You know, it was like this, there, there has been so many things in my life from that moment where I go, nope, this is the way it's going to be. Don't worry about anything because it's going to be perfectly fine. Or this is the person without a doubt. I know for sure, you know, um, almost just like these deep knowings about, you know, about my life, which I, I can't sit here and recall them, but when they present themselves, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that. So you're really moving through trusting your gut and feeling like everything always turns out okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, what a great way to live. I mean, like, do you experience anxiety? Do you worry about things? Because I'm a big worrier, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do worry about things. And I think we talked about this, too. But I worry about things in both directions. I can take one idea and take it to the depths of hell. And I can take the same idea and go to the highest point of ever anything and become the most famous person in the world. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So any, I can go in all directions and I can see almost like how the idea could potentially play out if I, whatever direction I went with, you know? Uh Um, so I don't, I don't really know if it's worrying so much as just deep thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Like contemplation, (laughs) extreme contemplation. Well, and does it, does it happen kind of instantaneously or is it something you really mull over and analyze a lot? Um, sometimes both, you know, it, it depends on how much time I have to think about the particular thing. (laughs) You know, sometimes I can daydream about something and, you know, just enjoy looking at, how something's going to play out, I guess. Thought and, experiments. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. What do you hope, like when pe- when you tell people this story or when you put this out there, what do you kind of hope people take away from it? 
Um, just that to know that we are all one and that we're all, I don't know, we all are love. That's, that's, you know, um, and I think maybe I hope that they feel a sense of ease about being a human because every everything is oh you know you're you're born and you die right you're born to die um that death is the end it's almost like i feel like the human culture doesn't put enough importance they put a lot of importance on a birth but the importance that they put on a death is much more tragic than celebratory, which is what it should be, you know? Um, so that, that's what I think that I hope everyone gets from this, just a sense of calm, warm fuzzies about, because it, it, I wish, you know, it's more of a, it's a transition. That's all it is, is you're just, you know, it, it's like you're done with this book. That was a great book and you close it. What happens to you when you're done with a book? You're enriched, right? Your mm -hmm. soul grew in some way. You feel, oh, that was such a great book. You know, I really connected with these characters. It's, it's the same. It's just like closing a book. You're just done with this book. You're still perfect and whole. Hmm. I have so many thoughts about what that means for storytelling in general and, and what, what it is that we seek in, in living all these different lives through story. You know what I mean? It's, um, I, I'm like radiating out in like layers of thought right now. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about the work that you do now. What do you do with all of this in the world? Well, I, I don't really know what I do, but I, um, I like to help people. I, um, I like to help people in whatever way that they feel they need to be helped. Um, if that's, you know, doing a reading, if that's having a friend, if that's having a healing, um, animals, I, I read for animals. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I guess make people laugh, bring, you know, happiness in some way. And if that's, you know, if that's through a reading, then that's what I need to do for them. I like that you don't really separate what you do as work from what you do as just sort of being human in the world. Mickey, thank you so much for coming and just laying this whole story out for everyone. Um, tell everybody where they can go find you online if they want to connect with you. 
You can find me at mickeybrittenham.com, M-I-K-I-B-R-I-T-T-E-N-H-A-M.com. Mickey, we love you and your stories and your great perspective. I learned a lot listening to you today, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to have cool questions for you when this episode comes out. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you, Slade, for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Shift Your Spirits podcast. For show notes, links, transcripts, and all the past episodes, please visit shiftyourspirits.com. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. If you'd like to get an intuitive reading with me or download a free ebook and meditation to help you connect with your guides, please go to sladeroberson.com. And if you're interested in my professional intuitive training program, you can start the course for free by downloading the attunement at automaticintuition.com. Before I go, I promise to leave you a message and answer to a question or a concern you may have. So take a moment to think about that. Hold it in your mind or speak it out loud. I'll pause for just a few seconds right now. This message is about a clear sense of purpose, divine guidance. This message may be about someone else's mission, even more than your own. It's about you telling someone something important they need to hear. Make sure that the end of the mission is in sight and that you're conveying this message will truly help them finish. And I'll talk to you later.